1: Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740.
2: Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. Winter is coming. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Hollywood actor, or sorry, Hollywood film director, Hollywood film director, Author Paul Davids is standing by, and we'll talk about his latest project, Marilyn Monroe Declassified. We've had quite a run the last couple of weeks. We sort of unraveled the mystery of Howard Hughes. Then that was followed by uh, solving the mystery of D.B. Cooper. And tonight it's Marilyn Monroe. I mean, it's not me doing this, but this really speaks to the quality of guests, uh, I think, that we bring on this program. Uh, Thanks to everyone who attended Take a Walk on the Dark Side yesterday at the J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium. Our Gary Patterson was in fine form, our rock uh, historian and author. He delivered for three hours, story after story. And, uh, of course, it was um, quite a thrill to see Peggy Sugarin and uh, Rita Box, the sister of the late David Box, who replaced Buddy Holly in the Crickets for a short time. And, of course, John Lennon's best friend, Bill Harry, Leo Lyons from 10 years after. Great show. Great show. Uh, so keep checking on my live events page at strangeplanet.ca because there are more great events coming your way. Technical producer Ian Robertson is here and on the other side of the glass, twisting the knobs and dials. And Ian, my friend, my fine rockabilly friend, you you missed a great show yesterday. We um, we heard some amazing stories, not only about Buddy Holly, by, but Eddie Cochran. And I've often referred to you as the reincarnation of Eddie Cochran. Do you do any Eddie Cochran uh, 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 songs in your in your repertoire when you are out Gigging?
3: Yeah, we got 20 Flight Rock. Now. Oh, cool.
2: You got to do 20 Flight Rock. I would love to hear you perform that. Sorry? I would love to hear you perform 20 got Flight it. Rock. All right, we'll do it. Uh, and uh, of course, our re- resident remote viewer and my faithful story producer, Albert Vinzel, is in the house once again. Albert is our resident uh, remote viewer, as I say. And uh, very quickly, once again, we're going to do it.
3: Albert. What is in the box? Oh, I wisened up a little bit this week, and I brought the crib sheet with me, <laughs> so I, I picked off a bunch of words off of them.
2: Okay, now when you're saying the crib sheet, you mean sort of the remote viewing protocols, is that right?
3: Uh, yeah, it's. Okay. I can see it online on the Hangout now.
2: All right. So, what do you think? You've been sitting in in the studio, looking, staring at that box, <laughs> utilizing your remote viewing skills very quickly. What's in the box?
3: Uh, Texture, grassy, semi-soft, leafy, colors, green, red, Uh, dimensions, round, circular, light, small, tiny, tubular, temperatures, cool, airy, aesthetic, impact, peaceful, pleasant. Wow. Uh, Smells, earthy, Taste sweet. Is it garden green peppers?
2: Open up the box, Albert. You, my friend, have done very well tonight. It's, let's let, let, let people see it. It's an olive, <laughs> Wow, Albert, I am impressed. We started this project about uh, what uh, three, four weeks ago, and um, a little rocky off the start, but that's all right, no pressure, yeah, yeah. and you nailed it, and i I'd have to say that's outstanding. You said uh, a garden pepper, but it's an yeah. olive, and uh, well done, my friend, I'm very impressed
3: well. And the the good thing about remote viewing is that you can do it anywhere you are. You just a paper and pencil, and the possibilities are limitless. Like All you right. can well, solve you, cold cases, technology from other planets.
2: Okay, <laughs> so let's see how you do next week, Albert <laughs> Vinzel. Uh, next week on the program, uh, documentary filmmaker Ali Siatitan will be here for the full two hours, and he'll be discussing his latest project called "Goliath Rising." All right. Newly declassified FBI and CIA documents shed light on the untimely death of Hollywood's uh, one of the great icons, of course, Marilyn Monroe. And these documents provide the context for a new film by my first guest. Paul Davids is from Bethesda, Maryland, the son of a famous Georgetown University professor of American history, Dr. Jules Davids, who worked extensively with John F. Kennedy on writing Profiles in Courage, for which his father is credited in the preface. And he was also a professor to Jacqueline Kennedy and later to Georgetown undergraduate Bill Clinton. Paul Davids is a graduate of Princeton University, where he majored in psychology and won numerous awards in writing. He then attended the American Film Institute Center for Advanced Film Studies in Beverly Hills. He's married to Hollis Davids, who is a senior vice president of special projects for Universal Pictures and has produced several of his films after a few years of working as a script analyst for Hollywood agent Paul Conner, where he read all the submissions for Charles Bronson, John Huston, and even William Wyler. His career in film and television took off when he got his first break as a production coordinator and a writer of the original Transformers TV show for Marvel Productions. He co-wrote with Hollis The first, or, sorry, the Fires of Pele, uh, Mark Twain's legendary lost journal, and the husband and wife team also co-wrote six Star Wars sequel novels, for Lucasfilm and Bantam books, including the award-winning Mission from Mount Yoda, plus The Glove of Darth Vader, The Lost City of the Jedi, Zorba the Hutt's Revenge, Queen of the Empire, and Prophets of the Dark Side. The books sold millions of copies and were published in many languages. Paul David's films are known for controversy, beginning with Roswell, starring Martin Sheen, Kyle MacLachlan, and Dwight Yoakam, a 1994 nominee for golden globe as best tv motion picture which he executive produced and co-wrote as a showtime original movie it dealt with issues of extraterrestrial life and the purported truth embargo on the subject of et contact his other films include timothy leary's dead starry night and the sci-fi boys and of course the life after death project his latest release once again is Marilyn monroe declassified paul davids welcome back to the conspiracy show how are you hi richard I'm fine and
1: uh, everything's good here in Los Angeles but there's fireworks occasionally going off in the
2: background they they think
1: Halloween is the 4th of July here
2: i guess <laughs> I should also point out you're one heck of a magician. You know, we, we had uh, breakfast uh, you and I and um down in uh Venice Santa, in Venice, that's right. And uh I you 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 did a little magic trick for my guys that I recorded on my iPhone and I, I keep it there because every I'd say every 2 weeks now they ask can I see that again? I <laughs> it's
1: uh so uh, that's really great. Now, I've been a member of the Magic Castle in Hollywood, which is the Academy of Magical Arts, for like about 30 years. And uh, I go all the time and see some of the greatest magicians
2: in the world. And uh, I've uh, developed a few routines myself. Well, you know, it's it, I was spellbound. just I was sitting across the table, and I could not figure out how you did what you did. But now we're going to talk about some movie magic. Yes. And uh, Marilyn Monroe Declassified. Uh, let's, okay, if we could begin... Paul, just spend a few minutes talking about the timeline of Marilyn's death because here we are 54 years ago, last August 5th, and there are so many discrepancies uh, and inconsistencies with the story of of what really happened on 5th Helena Drive in Brentwood.
1: The timeline of her death, well, uh, she died August 4th, 1962. The official date is given as August 5th because the death was reported at around four in the morning on August 5th. But we know from various testimony that uh, she was deceased uh, about six hours earlier than that, and the death went unreported for those six hours, while some of those who had been closest to her uh, personally and in her career huddled Uh, about uh, what was to be done. Uh, We know so much more now uh, than we did long ago. The death was originally reported by the coroner as a probable suicide. That's an adjective that is almost uh, never used on these death reports. It's either a suicide or it isn't, but there was no suicide note. And there was so much ambiguous information uh, about the death It was an overdose of barbiturates, so um, it was at that time assumed to be a suicide and was not treated as a criminal investigation, but it should have been. Uh, Originally, most of the players involved gave a concocted story um, about how she was discovered it was a story that was agreed upon in those uh, hours.
2: Her housekeeper, Eunice Murray, changed her story, what, three, four times?
1: Yeah, the, the information from the housekeeper is really uh, important here because she actually wrote a book about her uh, life working for Marilyn and uh, included about Marilyn's death, <clears throat> but never mentioned some very uh, key information until many, many years later, when interviewed by uh, CNN. I think she felt she'd been carrying the burden of secrets too long. And she confirmed that Robert Kennedy, the brother of President Kennedy, had been uh, visiting Maryland that afternoon. That had never come out before. And she also said that there had been an altercation between them. Um, Now... There's a mystery here. Some writers have magnified this information into a claim that the Kennedys were involved in her death. What I've done in Marilyn Monroe Declassified, which by the way was just released uh, September 27th on Blu-ray and DVD. So it's just out now from a company called FilmRise in New York. What I've done is to assemble the testimony and the evidence in a way that has never been done before. No one's done the complete job before, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I've picked up the relevant pieces of testimony from 1962 from those who were unsatisfied with the suicide pronouncement then, Um, the botched autopsy, the uh, missing biological samples, uh, so that the investigation could never be completed at that time.
2: And that w- was that. Uh, Thomas Noguchi was f- recent, recently new on the job as yes, the as he the was. Uh, in, in Los Angeles he, County. He I mean,
1: wasn't the full coroner at that time. No, uh,
2: Curfee, some, a some doctor named Kerfey
1: was right. And Kerfey was rather dictatorial in the way he handled it. For example, uh, one of the assistants, Lionel Grandison did not want to sign the death certificate because he felt that uh, all the information relating to the death was not in the file. Uh, And he declared um, in an interview that there was a cover-up involving Marilyn's death and that he couldn't help being part of it because he was ordered to sign the death certificate when he wasn't prepared to do that. This is the information that goes back to 1962. Now through the decades, stories have changed, more information came out. I think people felt guilty about some of the things that were withheld. And then uh, over the course of the last uh, 15 to 20 years, there have been the declassifications of important documents related to Marilyn's life and her death. Related to her life, the fact that she was under the magnifying glass of the FBI, that her phone was tapped for years.
2: Wasn't James Jesus Angleton listening in?
1: Well, or or his lieutenants, Right. he he was the head of counterintelligence for the CIA at that time. And his story, uh, I mean, we could talk a whole show just about that extraordinary situation where someone had so much power within the CIA, no president could get rid of him for for decades.
2: That's true. Let me uh, just jump in here, Paul. We're going to take a time out. We'll come back and continue our discussion of Paul David's newest release. Marilyn Monroe Declassified. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. This is no place for the naive or the
0: faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new (laughs) AM740. smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant from Zuma Radio.
2: Welcome back. For those of you just joining the program, Paul Davids is with us, Hollywood filmmaker, and his latest project just released uh, the end of September on Blu-ray is Marilyn Monroe Declassified. Just before we get back to that conversation, I just wanted to once again uh, kudos to Albert, my story producer, and uh, resident remote viewer, who nailed it tonight uh, with our little segment called "What's in the Box"? And uh, he he guessed that it was a uh, a pepper, a fresh uh, garden pepper, but in fact it was an olive. Very very close. Well done, uh, Albert. We're g- I'm gonna have to uh, let my my friend Russell Targ, who uh, of course headed the uh, the um, psychic research at uh, Stanford Research, know how well you did tonight. I know Russell. Yeah. Sorry, Albert. What was that? You?
3: I I know Russell. Well, yeah. and we'll, we'll, that's, that's the one I'd like to move on is solve real-world problems, like get practical results. <laughs> okay, well done. All right, um,
2: we're talking Marilyn Monroe. And, um, uh, Paul, before the break, we were discussing uh, how much more we now know over the last 15, and 20, or 15, 20 years. But let me just go back and pick up on a few points here if we could. Sure. And um, we, we mentioned the housekeeper Eunice Murray who kept changing her story. Now, when, when the, the police arrived on the scene, she was, she was cleaning up and, and doing, she was washing the bed bedsheets, lin, bed linen or something, wasn't she?
1: Sergeant Jack Clemens uh, reported that, that she was doing the bedsheets when he arrived at the scene. And uh, he, he did not believe it was a suicide from the beginning. Uh, he said the body looked staged on the bed. Uh, the bottles on the pills nearby were, the caps were neatly put on. He couldn't find a glass of water anywhere around to swallow pills.
2: Yeah, that's crucial. I mean, if she took that many those that many pills and she didn't have a glass of water, can you imagine? That's the, a- uh, yeah. The blood toxicity level was
1: extremely uh, high, which led to speculation that she would have uh, been deceased before she could have swallowed all those pills if she'd done it deliberately. No, you know, uh, there was the uh, evidence involving the colon. Uh, and uh, purplish discoloration at a point in the colon which um, suggested that if it was murder, that the probable means would have been uh, the use of a barbiturate suppository, which um, author Milo Spiriglio who's written a couple of books about Marilyn Monroe's murder, uh, says that that was a technique that the mob used uh, a number of times. You know, the, the, the twists and turns of of this, um, and I, I want to discuss my own motivation uh, here, too, for digging into this again. There was supposed to be a, a renewal of a, a – well, there was supposed to be a grand jury investigation in the 90s. There had never been one before. And for political reasons, the uh, that was killed, and the uh, grand jury foreman was fired right before they were going to make an announcement about reconvening it. There have been – Really strong political pressures to keep this from ever getting a full investigation. Uh, Police Chief Tom Redden uh, has said that, uh, there, that it was treated with the highest level of uh, security, um, like an intelligence, um, uh, an, a high level intelligence operation, the hours after her death. Things were cleaned up and sanitized at the house, Uh, fingerprints removed. Bobby Kennedy had been there. The phone had been tapped, and we know that uh, the mob had been tapping her phone. We have all the testimony we need. It's all in the movie from Fred Otash, the wiretapper. He worked with a man in New York named Bernard Spindell. Um, So... uh, uh, The CIA had been listening, and they had wiretaps. We have a CIA document that talks about the results of wiretap conversations. They were concerned about things that Marilyn had picked up from President Kennedy that may have been classified, that she may have been talking to friends about. The legendary Red Diary. Uh, And there was the legendary Red Diary that's never been found. We don't know for a fact that it existed. We don't know what happened to it. There's been conflicting testimony about that. My point is that after all this time, I felt, first of all, that we owe it to Marilyn to clear this cloud that uh, she took her own life and it was suicide when it wasn't. The evidence that it wasn't is overpowering. Now, some have felt through the years that it was an accidental overdose. I do not think so. I mean, um, uh, there have been many, many books written. I've read them all, those that say suicide, accidental overdose, and those that say murder. I think now that the jigsaw puzzle of evidence of the pieces that fit together showing murder, motivation, means, the why, the reasons, who was involved, and that Marilyn was a pawn in a large political game of vendetta at that time that had to do with uh, with the mob, specifically the Chicago syndicate and Sam Giancana, um, the mob's, relationship with the Kennedys, which at one point had been cooperative, but then Robert Kennedy um, prosecuted the, uh, the head mobsters with an absolute uh, vengeance. And this made the Kennedys' public enemy number one for the mob. It was a vendetta. Jimmy Hoffa, who was later murdered and his body never found, was, uh, was uh, uh, involved.
2: Is it possible, Paul, that that Hoover, who had a major hate on for the Kennedys, in particular and Bobby, uh, and of course you know his people are listening in, and he's got a, a dossier probably enough to fill a filing cabinet on Maryland, Is it possible that he saw an opportunity here? Because as you mentioned, Bobby was at the house. He was his cover story was he was going to be in San Francisco, but there's a report a police officer stopped Peter Lawford. Yes, Bobby Kennedy was in the back seat of the car for some minor infraction. Yes,
1: that was police officer Lynn Franklin. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Is it possible that that Hoover saw an opportunity here to hang this on Bobby Kennedy?
1: I don't think so. Uh, I really don't, because uh, he had uh, he had documents at his disposal that uh, really intensely could have uh, implicated Bobby Kennedy if he had released them, but they were kept classified. Uh, We do think that he used information that he knew from the wiretaps of the Kennedys' relationships with Marilyn Monroe to keep his job, because uh, the Kennedys at that time, history tells us that uh, they would have loved to uh, replace J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI, at that time. But they didn't. And even after Marilyn Monroe's death, uh, Robert Kennedy was quoted soon thereafter as praising J. Edgar Hoover to the skies. Um, I think that some leverage was being used there, but I think the most the most important pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. There is the FBI document uh, establishing Robert Kennedy was there in that afternoon, that was finally declassified. We know now that was true, also from uh, Eunice Murray, uh, the housekeeper. Um, it suggested that Bobby Kennedy was somehow tainted by this by Marilyn Monroe's psychiatrist who said it, uh, to a Gre- CNN uh, interviewer, I can't tell you the whole story. If you want to know it, ask Bobby Kennedy. That was Dr.
2: Ralph Greenson.
1: Yeah, yeah, Ralph Greenson. Now, all of this is in my film, Marilyn Monroe Declassified. This was the job of archiving, selecting, finding all of this. these hundreds of bits of testimony and relevant evidence spanning over uh, 60 years at at this point, and putting them together like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle so that the viewer can absolutely see how it's all interconnected and, and, and determine that the claim of murder with involvement with the Chicago syndicate, Sam Giancana, uh handling this as a contract killing. He confessed, Sam G and to family members uh that this is, that this happened. It was covered in a book called Double Cross by his brother and a nephew. But uh, although it was reported in the media, it wasn't taken as seriously as it needed to be. Um, then came the uncovering of the CIA document from James Angleton showing how they were wiretapping Maryland Uh, that they were concerned that she might talk. And you have to understand from history the intimate relationship at that time between the CIA and Sam Giancana's outfit because they were collaborating in an attempt to assassinate Fidel Castro. It's widely known. Uh, Historians uh, have reported that part for decades. So the fact that the CIA relied upon the Chicago syndicate, to wipe out certain people whose existence was very uh, problematic for them, uh, that's not a big leap at all. So we've got testimony. We have documents. And no one in the media has ever put all this together satisfactorily before. couple of attempts – BBC did it, but I think like 20 years ago, before all the information was on the table. Right, right. So I think Marilyn Monroe Declassified, for those who are fascinated and want the facts, you'll find it all here like you've never seen it. Richard, I also want to say, it's not just an examination of her death. It's also uh, an examination of her wonderful life, her career, the entertainment, the excelling as a comedian, as a singer, uh, becoming an icon, so loved, still loved today, adored, someone who started life um, in an orphanage, really. I mean, she was, when her mother lost her capacities, uh, Marilyn was sent to an orphanage uh, early, raised in uh, like nine foster families.
2: Yeah, tragic, tragic life. I mean,
1: all the odds were against her ever becoming... Uh, a star, and uh, she, she did it. So the movie looks at at that, at some of her greatest films, and what was going on behind the scenes throughout that, through her three marriages, why it was that her marriage to Arthur Miller got her into so much trouble.
2: Sure, I mean, he was this is during the uh, the height of the Cold War, the Cuban Missile Crisis. She was she was uh, I mean it was the House on American Activities Committee against right. the communists. Khrushchev and loved her. Nikita Khrushchev loved Marilyn Monroe. And did they not meet? <laughs> did they didn't, didn't they go down didn't he, she meet him in Mexico? I
1: th- I don't think it was in Mexico, but I think they did meet. Yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can almost you can understand the panic. I mean, people who weren't alive then don't realize how close the United States and the Soviets were to, to nuclear war.
1: That's true. That's, that's absolutely true. She, she died about one year and two months before John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Important to say that a year after John F. Kennedy was shot, another of his mistresses, Mary Pinchot Meyer was shot twice and killed while jogging near her home.
2: Yes, we'll be doing that show in a few weeks.
1: It's really important how it connects to this hmm. because I don't know, are you doing it with Peter Janney? The
2: uh,
1: the, the the author of uh, Mary's Mosaic.
2: Yes, I believe so. Uh,
1: yeah. I have to check he, that. Yeah, uh, he and I went to Princeton together, by the way. We were oh, there is that at right? the same time. Hmm. Now, we didn't collude in any of these theories. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been in touch with Peter Janney because he um integrates how uh, James Angleton, who we've said was head of counterintelligence for the CIA, that he is implicated in the death of Mary Pinchot Meyer in the extent that uh, he was looking for her diary, had broken into her house to look for the diary, and was caught red-handed by Ben Bradley, the publisher of The Washington Post. Ah, isn't that interesting. And he's involved in the Marilyn Monroe case, because we have a document signed by him with concern about a wiretap about Marilyn Monroe, and some of the things that she knew from John F. Kennedy that they were concerned about.
2: All that pillow talk.
1: You know, it also, in addition to questions about H-bomb testing and Fidel Castro, there is a mention of President Kennedy's visit
2: to a secret air base,
1: for the purpose of examining things from outer space,
2: was that Wright Pat or perhaps f- Area Fifty One? No, no, Wright
1: Patterson wouldn't have been the secret airbase. I, 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 I don't believe that isn't a secret airbase. That's a very publicly known airbase. Well, but
2: the hangar—I'm, you know, the hangar. Oh, but you're saying Area Fifty One, perhaps?
1: Well, I think Area Fifty One may not have been established by then. I'm not absolutely sure, hmm. but um, but but the point is, Dorothy Kilgallen, mm-hmm. a reporter of that era who knew Mar- Marilyn Monroe, right? She was wiretapped too. And so the CIA document talks about a conversation happened with Mary Kilgallen where she's referencing this visit to the air base for the purpose of seeing things from outer space. And she is uh, hypothesizing at that time that this has to do with the flying saucer crash in the Southwest. That would have been Roswell. So for those who doubt Roswell, <laughs> I have many reasons to say don't. <laughs> Don't doubt it. I produced the movie Roswell for Showtime. That's right. We mentioned that. I've time. had it from insiders. I've had personal meetings uh, with Ed- Edgar Mitchell, who walked on the moon, um, and other uh, other 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 sources.
2: Well, it, the, the, this long-standing rumor that. After Marilyn was spurned by John Kennedy, and of course the, the big embarrassment at the White House, and supposedly, you know, Jackie Kennedy was just fuming that she showed up to sing Happy Birthday to the president. Yeah, Jackie
1: and, Kennedy didn't show up to
2: that birthday party. Oh, she didn't. Interesting. No, she but she was I, off horseback riding. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering if if it you know if the mob hadn't done it, was she? I mean, was she in fact threatening? This is the rumor. She was threatening. She was going to divulge. She was going to hold a press conference. And she was going to spill the beans on all this pillow talk and the contents of her diary.
1: The CIA document that I'm referring to does uh, indicate that she was considering having a press conference in which she would tell all. Those are the words that are used, tell all. Now, um, critics have pointed out that she never set up that press conference. and uh, the point is, though, that even if she had been uh, peeved and mentioned to a friend that she was thinking of doing it, you know, saying, you know, maybe I, maybe I should, you know, they would deserve it. That would have been enough from those who were wiretapping her to sound all the alarm bells.
2: Exactly, national security risk. National security risk to be sure. Yeah. Uh, and in a way, you can almost understand. Uh, We'll take a time out and uh, come back and continue our conversation with Paul Davids. And the film is Marilyn Monroe Declassified. Stay with us. Loose lips sink ships. And
0: sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at one 866 740 4 You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-740.
2: Welcome back. Paul Davids is with us. Filmmaker Marilyn Monroe Declassified uh, released on Blu-ray the end of September. Uh, Paul, how can people get a hold of this uh, film?
1: Amazon has it now, uh, both in Blu-ray and in standard definition. Uh, There are other uh, online uh, sellers of it. As I said, just released so it's not available for streaming yet. Um, I think they tell me that you know sometime next year it'll be streaming. And uh, but for Canada uh, now, I'd suggest uh, going to Amazon is a, a good a good way. Um, Amazon.ca, yes. Yeah, and and the the website for the film for more information is Marylanddeclassified.com. Um We are we are shipping it to other countries uh where it's not available uh yet uh so if people from other countries are listening if they contact us through the website you know that that can be done um and uh i think that's the best way to uh you know to get a hold of it right now
2: right uh, earlier uh, during the commercial break we, uh we were streaming uh, this live on youtube through our hangout on air and we saw Uh, a number of images of these Marilyn Monroe dolls. Yes. Uh, Tell us about those.
1: It's a fantastic, fabulous collection of Marilyn Monroe dolls. Uh, Most of them belong to Greg Schreiner, who is the president of Marilyn Remembered, the fan club. Uh, he's a collector of Marilyn Monroe memorabilia, and you know he has dresses she wore in different movies, uh, various possessions of her, all kinds of art depicting Marilyn Monroe, and absolutely dozens of dolls, each one dressed to fit Marilyn's appearance in a different one of her movies. Um, now, a couple of those dolls uh, were not Greg Schreiner uh, collectibles, but they were part of an auction at. Profiles in History, and I had hoped to get one of those of Marilyn Monroe from The Misfits, an absolutely fabulous large doll in a plastic case, um, but the bidding went too high for me on that one. Um, there was one of Marilyn and in a famous uh, seven-year itch dress, also that, that doll auctioned at Profiles in History, which was the auction house that auctioned that actual dress. And uh, that dress sold for about five and a half million dollars. Wow! It's uh, the, the the white dress that she was wearing in uh, the scene where she's standing over a subway grating.
2: Yes, and, uh, yes. I think we're looking at that right now.
1: Famous scene where the dress was blown up, and uh, her husband at that time, baseball player, baseball great of the New York Yankees, mm. Joe DiMaggio. Yes. He was, uh, he was very upset by that scene, you know, his wife having sure. exposed in her panties, you know, in a major film. And Absolutely.
2: Called, he was a straight arrow, wasn't he? Now, any truth to the rumor that Marilyn and Joe were going to remarry? I think that, uh, I think that uh, there,
1: there, there is truth to that. that really?
2: Rumor. Fascinating.
1: Uh, you know, she was very close to Joe DiMaggio's son. And mm-hmm. uh, the housekeeper had reported that uh, she had a phone call. From Joe DiMaggio's son, uh, just uh, you know, shortly before she went into her room that night, right? And that and sounding very, very cogent, upbeat, very yeah. upbeat uh, phone call that she was, uh, you know, she was vivacious, she was happy. Certainly, nothing consistent with suicide. We think that there was a rap on the door after that. Um, we think that uh, although many people believe that Peter Lawford was the last phone call to Maryland that night, um, Jose Bolaños of Mexico, who was her escort at the last Golden Globes Award in Hollywood uh, that she went to, uh, he said he called her that night and that she spoke to him about uh, some of this um, – these Pillow Talk secrets, and she said that she had been told a secret that was so fantastic and so incredible that if it's disclosed, it would change the entire world one day. This is what Jose Bolaños said. He never said what the secret was. He never said if he was told what the secret was. But people have questioned about that, Uh, and they've said, look, you know, the H-bomb stuff became declassified, the, uh, the stuff about uh, the attempt to get Fidel Castro. Uh, what would have still been classified when Jose Bolaños uh, talked about this? UFOs.
2: Uh, UFOs.
1: So you've got Roswell. You've got the extraterrestrial presence of which he probably was told about, which they've kept secret from us ever since. So a um, fascinating story. Then Bolano said that she heard some kind of uh, knock on the door, an altercation of something, noise outside, and that she went to answer the door, you know, just putting down the phone, and that she never came back to the phone, and that he was hanging on, hanging on, and then that somebody just click, somebody just hung up the phone. Um, oh, dear. So... We speculate that that was the arrival of the hit squad sent by uh, Sam Giancana, who chose that night knowing that Bobby Kennedy had been there earlier in the day, expecting his fingerprints would be found in the investigation, uh, that there would be letters from, there, uh, from him there that could be found, uh, that embarrassing the Kennedys, putting them in a compromising position which could destroy that Kennedy administration – was uh, a huge goal of Sam Giancana and his Chicago outfit at that time. Right. So we,
2: we, we we I, want I, I, I want to come back to that. I want to come back to that. We're we're heading into a break here, um, yeah. but I also want to touch upon the again the the, the narrative that she was despondent. She had been fired by Twentieth Century Fox from she was making Something's Got to Give. Was that with Dean Martin? Yes,
1: it was. Absolutely uh, it, was.
2: You know. Uh, I, I, I've always been a huge Dean Martin fan, but when I learned that he absolutely refused to make that movie without her and he ended up taking a big financial hit, wasn't he fined something like three quarters or sued for three quarters of a million or something? I don't
1: know what happened to him in, in that regard, but the uh, the idea that she was so despondent then, that she might have taken her own life, uh, was part of the cover-up of that time. Yeah. You know, in fact, her lawyer had uh, negotiated a much better contract for her to go back to work on that show. Right.
2: That was the understanding, that she was going to be rehired. and a so huge
1: salary increase. There you go. Able to dictate if she wanted to change the director. Sitting
2: on her lawyer's desk at that time. No. Nothing for her to be upset about. Absolutely not. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and continue to delve into the life and death of Mary. Marilyn Monroe with Paul Davids. Marilyn Monroe Declassified right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows where the
0: truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Pin numbers, passcodes social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740.
2: Welcome back. Paul David stays with us and the uh, film is Marilyn Monroe Declassified, available on Blu-ray and uh, here in Canada. You can order it through Amazon.ca, and of course, to our American listeners, Amazon.com. That's probably the fastest way. Uh,
1: uh, Richard, it's yes. also available on standard definition for those who don't have Blu-ray.
2: Standard definition. Thank you for that. Um, here I, I'm sitting here in my studio, and across the parking lot here at Zoomer. Zoomerplex is Moses Neimer's TV museum, and I know you've been up here for Idea City, Paul. Did yes, you get I've been a chance
1: a there on Life After Death project?
2: That's right. Did you get a chance to see uh, uh, um, Marilyn's TV that Moses owns?
1: Yes. Yeah. Moses was so gracious to me when I was up there and <clears throat> gave me a private tour of the uh, television museum. Showed me Marilyn's uh, television that he purchased at quite a price.
2: <laughs> I think that's his prized possession.
1: And uh, I. I, I do remember that. I know
2: Moses uh, personally is
1: very interested in the, the Marilyn Monroe uh, case, and also Marilyn Monroe is an icon and is a star and in the incredible, incredible lasting legacy that she's uh, left for us. So uh, I thank Moses for for all of that. And as a matter of fact, there's bonus features on the uh, on the DVD. There's 40 minutes of bonus features. So one of them is my interview with. Uh, not just Greg Schreiner, who has the doll collection that we talked about, um, but Pierre Voudrag, who has a photography collection of Marilyn Monroe, and in that bonus feature, I have uh, some photographs from the Moses Nymer Television Museum, Zoomer Media Museum, and and Marilyn's uh, Television. So that's part of it. There's also an additional uh, an interview um, uh, with me that was done by television producer Ron James <clears throat> so that the, for the DVD it's like 40 minutes longer than the than the feature length
2: Ron Ron James was featured also in the Life After Death project Yes uh
1: the Ron Ron James has been very helpful uh and he has a uh, he has an associate producer credit on uh, the Marilyn Monroe Uh, Movie, you mentioned the Life After Death project, and and you had me on uh, as a guest talking about that, uh, another of my documentaries. Uh, And Richard, we also talked about my book that you've read, that followed that, which is uh, the just came out in April called An Atheist in Heaven, yes, the ultimate evidence for life after death. And uh, so I've been so busy this year, I, I can't remember another year with two major projects. Coming out like this,
2: and they're and both such compelling, compelling topics. Uh, let me ask you about Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. Have you be have you been able, either through the the documents, uh, or transcripts from the wiretaps, or anything, been able to. Um, confirm why Bobby, Bobby was at the house. Was it he was trying to talk her in off the ledge because he was afraid she was going to spill the beans on Jack and and so I forth? I think so.
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, his visit to L.A. was very carefully covered up that weekend. Uh, he had an alibi witness, um, uh, John Bates, an attorney in San Francisco. The family was visiting the Bates that weekend at the ranch. There's pictures there. Um, but all the testimony, uh, says that he left the ranch, took a quick trip to Los Angeles, saw her, uh, as you mentioned, uh, were seen by policeman Lynn Franklin late at night being driven by Peter Lawford, who said that he was, uh, taking the attorney general to his hotel to get his uh, luggage that he had. He was on his way out of town. So, uh. You know, I think uh, Bobby Kennedy was kind of an innocent victim, uh, an intended second victim in this. Not not a perpetrator. I don't think he was involved in that respect at all, but I do think that the mob saw the opportunity to implicate him, and so it was like he was set up. Um, And I think that's one of the big lessons that comes out of the movie, because some authors have actually accused the Kennedys of having been directly involved here in her death. And I do not, I do not think that's the case. And I think the evidence shows it. it wasn't. Uh, if you know, they, Richard, if, I, I wanted a, a chance to mention, you mentioned yes. uh, my father as a professor of diplomatic history for 40 years at Georgetown University, one of the founders of the School of Foreign Service. So I grew up in a family where uh, finding the truth about American history was one of the uh, the, the principal uh, goals uh, held held up to me as something of great importance, and uh, my father did have Jackie Kennedy in his class at Georgetown, and Jackie Kennedy got my dad involved with uh, then Senator John F. Kennedy uh, in the writing of Profiles and Courage. My dad wrote preliminary chapters of five chapters of the nine working with Ted Sorensen and uh, John F. Kennedy. And my dad is mentioned in the preface, and even the John F. Kennedy Library has finally disclosed some of my father's writing and made, uh, I think, one of the chapters about Sam Houston available to the public. So that's history. My dad's, my family's connection with the Kennedys, it goes back to his days as senator. What a legacy. You know, uh, and, and my dad was also a professor to Bill Clinton. Uh, And I've had my own connection to the Clintons on the UFO subject, repeatedly.
2: The Rockefeller Initiative?
1: Um, Well, in terms of the Roswell case, uh, my uh, finding ways to be able to provide real information to uh, Bill Clinton on uh, two occasions, um, and having personal contact with him, which I so appreciated, I knew he took the subject seriously. So, you know, that... Aspect of my past sort of primed me to be interested in the Marilyn Monroe case because of her connection to John F. Kennedy. And then as the producer of Showtime's movie Roswell, I had this other thing in my background that drew me to the case because of the Roswell connection to the CIA Marilyn Monroe document. So, it's amazing
2: how those worlds collide,
1: isn't it? it worlds collide. It's as though I was fated. I mean, if there's unseen forces and hands that work in this universe, then I was picked to do this project. It was an assignment from forces unseen, it feels like sometimes. You know, it was, it was a job to put together the entire case and let's clear the air, let's know what the historical facts were, and that she was murdered. Now, as far as the involvement of government agencies, that's ancient history now, right? It was a different world then. It was uh, that phase of the Cold War and the communist hysteria, and uh, the world as it existed then, I mean... It's different people, different players, different sets of rules.
2: I do you think? I don't know. Uh, different sets of rules. You know what? I you know uh, I look at history a little differently. I, I go back to like the War of the Roses and how um, there was obviously back then the subterfuge. It, it, it was it was played out often on the main stage. I mean, you know, royal houses would would war with each other. They would they would they would knock each other off, kill each other. Yeah. I think it's done much the same way now but in it still goes on but it's a far more sophisticated uh, way uh, it's it's backstage occasionally we see something spill out onto the main stage and then we're distracted you didn't see that but I, th- I don't think much has changed in that regard well, I think you know
1: I, I think in some way some of the ways it's changed because uh, you know when, when back in the days when there were a lot of people bumped off uh, and uh, you know I mean it it, it, it still happens, but I think that the larger technique these days is to discredit someone. Right. That when they don't want it to be believed, and this has happened again and again in the UFO field, where people have come out with real information, and then the effort is to uh, discredit people or implicate them in something that might have been um, illegal or uh, just make it so that they're, what they're bringing forward doesn't seem credible. So that's one way they deal with it now. And the other thing would be the change in the mob, uh, the evolution of the underworld, which (laughs) has sort of gone from, you know, thuggery of the prohibition and bootleg days and the Al Capone days and their submachine guns. And now they're big business. Right. You know, the casinos, when they were founding Las Vegas, you know, it was all, it was the underworld. And now you know Las Vegas. It's mainstream. The casinos. It's just mainstream. Big business. Yeah, it's hard to five hundred companies.
2: It's hard to figure out where the mob ends and Wall Street begins.
1: It's all it's all integrated, and it all has to do with money. If right? they
2: had, if they had, uh, we just have a few minutes left here, Paul, yeah. and I, we could talk for hours, and we'll do. We'll have you on again to talk more. But thank you. If if they had this stuff on on Bobby Kennedy, why didn't they use that first on Bobby? and stop him that way instead of inviting him to cut through the kitchen at the Ambassador Hotel.
1: Wow. Well, he was assassinated going through that kitchen, uh, uh, Ambassador, and that was years later, wasn't it? That was 1968 yeah. when he was running for president.
2: But they could have
1: – His brother was killed in, in, in 1963, so five years later – he was stopped from becoming president through an assassin's bullet.
2: But they could have done it with this by implicating him in Maryland's death, couldn't they? Wasn't that the intent?
1: Well, when you say they could have done it, that's a whole other case. I mean, mm. we haven't talked about that. And uh, Sirhan Sirhan and... Were there other people involved? Was it a conspiracy? Whole other case, and it's not one that I have expertise in.
2: You no, know? but I'm saying if they had that information about, again, you're right, who's they? Well, I if think it's... it was
1: too distant, and, and, and uh, the problem was Bobby Kennedy was immensely popular uh, there, and uh, he, uh, he really might have won the presidency was against Nixon at that time, right? Right, So instead, he's shot, and Hubert Humphrey is nominated. Nixon wins and becomes president. Uh, At that point, I don't think that uh, trying to discredit him with something like that, where they would have, you know, they would have done everything they could to debunk that information. I mean, it wouldn't have come out as, as cleanly provable in any respect back then in 1968. Today, with all these declassified documents, all the additional testimony... We can understand the Maryland, the Maryland uh, case, but again, also I don't think you know, I don't think he was culpable in the Marilyn Monroe case apart from the fact that he, he was, he upset her. I right. mean You he, 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 he right. wanted to dissociate the Kennedys from her. It was too dangerous at that point. They were being watched by too many people, and uh, he came as the bearer of that bad news.
2: Wrong place at the wrong time, and so was she. Yeah, she was a pawn
1: in this huge political uh, chessboard game, dangerous, way over her head.
2: Right. Yeah, and, and that vulnerability and that, that, that need that she had uh, to, be, to be wanted yeah. uh, really lured her to her death.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the flirtation with a communist, because it wasn't just her marriage to Arthur Miller. She had left-leaning friends who were all suspect at that time. And I think it was part of who she was. I think she saw it as idealism because, you know, in those days, if you were for integration, if you were for equality of blacks and whites, it was considered a communist idea, Hmm. something promoted by the communists.
3: Well,
2: we uh – We'll have to leave it there, unfortunately, but uh, we'll revisit the topic. I uh, urge
1: people to to see Marilyn Monroe Declassified. It'll be a great learning experience.
2: And again, uh, on standard definition and Blu-ray, Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, Marilyn Monroe Declassified. Paul, always a pleasure. Thank you for this. Thank you so much for having me. Paul Davids. Strangeplanet.ca, that's the website, your portal to this radio program. And please say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, T. And once again, as I always say, follow the truth.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Saratt on Zoomer
2: Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Your long haul truck, RV camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate and your cabin in the woods. A warm welcome to all of you listening in on our flagship station Zoomer Radio. AM 740 96.7 FM here in Toronto 50,000 watts of peace and love. Heard all the way south to the Carolinas and from Maine to Minnesota, one of the largest broadcast footprints of any station in North America. Hi to all of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations, the podcasts, of course, Stitcher Radio, uh, TuneIn.com, TalkZone.com, iTunes. And, uh, of course, the, uh, the Zoomer Radio and Conspiracy Show apps, which are both free downloads. And, of course, those of you streaming us live on YouTube through our Hangout On Air, our HOA. And if you'd like to, to partake and, and watch a radio program on YouTube, just go to my Twitter feed at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett. Please say hello and follow. And uh, if you go to the top of the feed or near the top, you'll find the tweet with an HOA link in it. Just click on it. And you're in, you are in. Uh, Megan Barth, the founder of ReaganBaby.com, will be along shortly uh, to discuss the election integrity project, and the possibility that the upcoming presidential election, just weeks away, is rigged. Uh, you might <laughs> the, the the words election and integrity in the same sentence. I gotta tell you, uh, if if it, if it if it wasn't so surreal and tragic uh, and maddening, it would be funny. Um, I think I mentioned this once when I was hosting Coast to Coast. It's this whole U.S. election, presidential election, has been like one long Gary Larson Far Side cartoon. Uh, for those of you who remember the Far Side, um, it is. It's absolutely surreal what's going on. One uh, commentator has described the role of the so-called fourth estate in this, uh, you know, essentially being in the tank for Hillary Clinton. And I'm not, I'm not here to tell you to vote Trump or Clinton or Gary Johnson or Jill Stein. Um, leave Trump out of this for a moment and just look at the way the mainstream media is 100% all-in in the tank for Hillary Clinton. They're so brazen about it. They're not even trying to hide the fact And this commentator has referred to the fourth estate as this is a coup d'etat. And I have to agree with that. The total absence of coverage. Thousands of WikiLeaks documents that under normal circumstances should have ended Hillary Clinton's campaign dead in its tracks. This stuff makes Watergate look like a minor parking violation. That's not an exaggeration. We have, a, we have a speech that Hillary made to Brazilian bankers in which she admits her dream, her goal is open borders throughout the Western Hemisphere. How many Americans, I don't care what political stripe, do you think would be fine with that? You erase the borders. Essence, essentially, that's an end to your national sovereignty. Democrats are patriots too. So are independents. So are Green Party uh, Followers, I'm sure, they'd all be pretty livid if they understood and and knew that this was Hillary's intention. How about a speech to Wall Street insiders where she admits it's necessary to have two positions on any given issue, a public position and a private one. In other words, it's necessary to lie to the electorate about your real position, like open borders. How about leaked emails from insider campaign that demonstrate, I mean, this is so blatant. You have these leaked emails and conversations between members of the DNC talking about how necessary it is to keep American voters, to keep the electorate uninformed, keep them confused, and how it's getting more difficult to do that, perhaps with things like the Internet. And so they have to sort of double down. Leaked emails inside our campaign. Demonstrating extreme religious bigotry, demeaning and hateful comments about Catholics. We, we've forgotten that Catholics comprise about 25% of the electorate. That is a huge voting bloc. And evangelicals, very derogatory. It's, it's religious bigotry, is what it is, and is rampant within the Democratic Party. And yet, none of these things are being reported by CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, you name it, the Washington Post, the New York Times. This is malpractice at the very, very least. It would take me four hours to go through all the WikiLeaks documents and virtually none of these again being discussed. They firebombed the Republican National uh, Convention headquarters in North Carolina, in Carolina. Firebombed it. Virtually no coverage. What is going on? This is the sort of thing when you have this sort of collusion on the part of the, of the mainstream media that's so blatant, so obvious, they don't even try to hide it anymore. This is the sort of thing that goes on in Banana Republics or the former Soviet Union, not the United States. A coup d'etat, to be sure. Uh, let me just, before we get to uh, Megan Barth. Let me play a quick clip here from uh, CNN's Chris Cuomo.
1: Also interesting is remember, it's illegal to possess uh, these stolen documents. It's different for the media. So everything you learn about this, you're learning from us. And in full disclosure, let's take a look at what is in there and what it means. Joining us now, CNN. Uh,
2: did you catch that? He's saying it's illegal. Did he say illegal to read it? Can we play that back? Are you able to play that back? Let me hear that again.
1: Also interesting is remember, it's illegal
2: to possess
1: uh, these stolen documents. It's different for the media. So everything you learn about this, you're learning from us. And in full disclosure, let's take a look at what is in there. And okay, first
2: of all, that's not true. It's now if it's illegal, it might be illegal for someone to, to 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 actually leak. Uh, classified information, particularly if you're an employee of the State Department. Uh, But once the document is leaked and disseminated and published, you can't, I mean, it would be illogical to, to say that you can't read it, you can't possess it. Once it's on your computer screen and you're reading, you don't actually hold the hard copy, that means you're in possession of that document. Is that what he's saying? Chris Cuomo is either misinformed or he's lying. And it's almost like he's trying to fire a warning shot across the bow and telling people, don't read this stuff. You're not allowed. Anyway, we're going to get into the uh, U.S. presidential election. Is it possible it could be rigged? Well, I would argue it already has been, and, and it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't take voter fraud in order to do it. It takes a complicit media being in the tank for one side or the other. Listen, if they were doing this, if they were in the tank for Donald Trump or Jill Stein, I'd be saying the same thing. Megan Barth is the founder and proprietor of ReaganBaby.com and a nationally recognized political commentator. She's appeared on the headline news, CNN, Newsmax TV, One America News Network, America Trends with Dr. Gina, The Blaze Radio, and has regular weekly appearances on a variety of nationally syndicated radio shows. Megan Barth, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you?
4: Richard, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. It was a very uh, it was a great opening. I enjoyed listening.
2: Well, the the tell me a little bit about the election integrity project and, and the, the main focus. Are you concerned about voter fraud in the in the in the voting booths, or are you and are you as equally concerned about the rigging of an election through the mainstream media?
4: Well, yeah, I think it's definitely an amalgam of, of those and, and much more. And, you know, we have to look at voter fraud kind of from a 10,000-foot view. And what this means is that open borders can create more voter, voter fraud. Uh, for example, you look at California. They passed a motor voter law. Anyone that possesses a driver's license, including an illegal immigrant, can now vote. So illegal immigrants can now vote in California, and you're looking at one-party rule. What you're also looking at in California is how the Election Integrity Project got involved was because of the massive amounts of fraud they were uncovering, whereby people would show up, and this happened in the primary this year in California, whereby Sanders was robbed of his win in California, because the voting machines and the electronic voting system – um, it had simply erased registered voters. So you had tens of thousands of people that showed up at the polls in California simply not to exist on the voter registration. Uh, if you had, uh, if you were an independent, uh, you were able to, uh, or a Democrat, you were, you, if you wanted to switch your vote uh, and vote for somebody else or something. By law, you're supposed to be given a provisional ballot. Um, Padilla, the Secretary of State, advised. Uh, all of the poll workers n- not to give that information out to prospective voters, uh, which is a violation of the law. Uh,
2: but, and Megan, so to, multiple- to be fair, isn't there kind of a long-standing tradition by both the Republicans and the Democrats to engage in some of these dirty tricks, things like caging or, for example, uh, as happened in Florida, uh, you know, there were re- reports – uh, and i'm not sure if they're 100% substantiated but reports that in certain communities african americans were told that the voting uh you know the um the uh, the electoral uh, station had been moved or had been closed don't bother showing up uh um anyone who had the same name as a felon even if they were in another state were removed expunged from voting lists i mean doesn't this go on from on both sides
4: um, I, I don't know what specific case in Florida you're talking about, so I can't speak to that. However, there is a specific case in Florida that I can speak to whereby a republican seated senator was caught on a hot mic or under an investigation whereby he wanted some guy to hack the electronic voting machines and give him a few, you know, extra thousand votes so he could win. And so this happens, yes, on both sides. And the problem is, is that we do not follow the laws state-by-state state and federal that are on the books whereby, you know, the one person, one vote is critical to our republic. And what we have now is that the Democrats, however, will likely tell you there's no voter fraud. Yet you look at what happened in Minnesota. Al Franken should not be a seated senator. He had 12, I think there were 1,200 felons or uh, right around 1,000 felons that had voted for him that they had caught after. Um, and that's illegal. And he didn't. And that would have been the delta. It was a very close race between um, uh, between him and, and Norm Coleman. So you know we do have seated senators that actually are seated because of voter fraud. And so the laws that are exist uh, federally, Bill Clinton passed one uh, in 2002 called HAVA. I believe it's the uh, is the correct um, uh, yeah HAVA. Uh, it's Help America Vote Act in 2002. It mandated sweeping reforms. It included a statewide voter registration system that would eliminate ineligible voters. But the problem is, when the laws aren't followed, you have lawlessness. And this is what is happening across our country in every state.
2: All right, Megan, we're going to head into a break. We'll come back and continue to discuss the possibility that the U.S. presidential election is rigged whether that's by the mainstream media or whether it'll be done through electronic voting machines, which to me is very, very concerning. Think about that. No paper trail. They could basically, or metaphorically speaking, just unplug unplug the, uh, the voting machine, and uh, you, you place your vote, you uh, sort of electronically pull that lever, but it doesn't register. It doesn't go anywhere. All right, we will uh, come back and discuss further with Megan Barth, reaganbaby.com, the website. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're
0: about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio.
2: Megan Barth is with us, reaganbaby.com. Will the U.S. presidential election in uh, just a few weeks, will it be rigged? Will it be done at the... uh... The voting booth, or will it simply be sort of a much larger operation and done uh, at the, uh, the mainstream media level? Uh, I've never quite understood why um, federal court after federal court keeps striking down these voter ID laws. There was one in Texas. There was one, um, I think, one in North Carolina, and all they're asking is that. Um, an individual have photo ID that, and somehow there be, you know, we're told that this is discriminatory that they're targeting African Americans, for example. How, why is it so difficult for anybody to get photo ID? Why is that discriminatory? Can you explain that to me?
4: No, I really can't, and you really can't find a liberal that that can either. And that, and that, you know, without voter ID, how do you protect the one person one vote? Uh, how do you ensure that this person is who he says he is? I mean, we see James O'Keefe in Project Veritas uh, posing as Eric Holder in Washington D.C. and getting Eric Holder's ba- ballot. He posed as Ma- Ma- uh, Marshall Mathers, which otherwise known as Eminem, up in up in Detroit, and he got his ballot. Uh, and so, the, you know, there is widespread fraud, and when we see this, as they move people around from various districts to the districts to vote. We saw this in New York, where a man traveled from New York, and then he went over to New Jersey, and then he went over to Pennsylvania, and he he voted in three different states. Um, You know, it's hard to catch these people, but it does happen. And so, how else can you protect the identity of the voter as well as the one vote one person vote, other than photo ID? And this is why the Democrats and it's typically liberal. Uh, judges. North Carolina's voter ID was overturned by a Clinton appointee. In Wisconsin it was overturned by an Obama appointee. Um, In Texas it was overturned by an Obama appointee and it just keeps going on and on and that's why um, you know our our judiciary is being overrun uh, by uh, appointees from uh, a very Marxist leftist ideology whereby the Constitution is actually a living document. And so we must protect the judiciary as we must protect the Supreme Court in this election. And, so, and then perhaps, uh, you know, we can start building a, a voter ID project with uh, the Republican Party. Most people want it. Uh, but when uh, judges decide on the fate against the people, well, that's what we have.
2: Now, the, the federal, uh, federal appeals court says they claim... Uh, that in let's see i think it's the last out of the, uh, out of 20 million votes cast in the decade before uh the um voter id law was attempted to be passed uh there are only two convictions for in-person voter fraud two people convicted out of 20 million votes cast uh, you, you would take uh, umbrage I'm, I'm guessing with that uh with that quote
4: well, yeah, I definitely take umbrage with that quote, but let's keep in mind that voter fraud is very hard to prosecute as well, and that usually the crimes are reduced to misdemeanors, and it's a slap on the hand, and there you go. Um, but Acorn was one of the biggest felonious um, enterprises, a Democrat enterprise um, that had literally uh, been, uh, uh, excuse me, had literally been committing voter fraud for years and years and years right now in california there are more people registered to vote than live in california you tell me
2: <laughs> uh... R- rudolph giuliani uh... who is uh... obviously one of uh, trump's surrogates and and uh, uh... champions who's really i think has done uh... you know a, a perhaps a, a greater well not perhaps definitely a greater job at sort of prosecuting the case against hillary clinton than trump himself has uh... but but giuliani uh, has been very outspoken in terms of election fraud, in particular in the urban areas. And um, he, he says they leave dead people on the rolls. They pay people to vote those dead people four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Uh, is there any proof of that? That the Democrats are are uh, leaving dead people on the rolls? I mean, that would have to be done with the um, the Secretary of State in the individual states, right? That'd have to be done with their complicity. What?
4: What? Well, there are dead people on the rolls. There was just a a study that came out, I think, that said there were a couple million dead people on the rolls, and they need to be cleaned up. Why aren't they being cleaned up? Well, you have to ask the office of the voter of the registrar, and then you have to ask the secretary of state. And you have to start demanding that the system, that that, that the entire uh, voting system be treated uh, with kid gloves, be treated with care this is this is a very important enterprise, uh, a very important right in our country that not all countries have, and not all women have had with the history of this country so it's very important that the votes be protected by the laws that are on the books, and accountability must be had there must be if it 's a budget line item whatever, but this needs to uh, be allocated as far as a budget is concerned in order. To make sure that the resources are necessary to ensure a one-person, one-vote system, there are dead people on the rolls. People in Chicago have been devo- dead people in Chicago have been voting probably since Miss O'Malley's cow. So you know, Daley got elected on, on the backs of, of dead people. Even Kennedy out of Illinois. This is not a joke. Um, we also find properties that don't even exist that have voters registered there, and that and that happens in Nevada, here where I live whereby hundreds of thousands of pieces of mail will come returned with an address that doesn't exist, yet people are registered to vote there. That affects gerrymandering. That affects electoral college. That affects census. You go on and on and on. So we have ghosts within our voting system. We have illegal immigrants. We have felons. Uh, we have uh, dupli- uh, duplicious voting going on. And it's really just a perfect storm for an absolute rigging. And if the Democrats rigged the primary, why would they resist rigging the national? Like, you tell me. We've already uncovered through WikiLeaks the goals uh, of one party rule that they have of keeping the people ignorant. Uh, and this is one way, a good way to do it. With the help of the media.
2: That was, perhaps, next to the uh, Hillary speech to the Brazilian banks um, saying her goal, her aim is for hemispheric open borders, which is the end of the (laughs) United States sovereignty. Next to that, the next most damning uh, uh, leaked uh, email was the one, and I'm not sure who who it was attributed to. It was someone within the DNC, again, talking about the need to keep Americans confused and unaware and in the dark. And how it's getting increasingly more difficult to do that. I guess perhaps because of the internet. So now we need to double our efforts. I mean, how more right. more blatant could we could they possibly be?
4: Right. Yeah. Guess who else uh, was kept ignorant? The communists. Uh, you know. And so this is this is the knowledge is power. And when you rip one of their of the truth. When you don't provide the truth, when you don't truly report the truth. And that's why I started reaganbaby.com because I wasn't seeing the truth in the headlines. I wasn't seeing the truth come out of the mainstream media and headlines or the narrative. I saw protectionism going on. I saw um unethical behavior. And I'm not a journalist. I have a bias, but I'm a truth seeker. And, well, um, that, you know
2: what? There are no more journalists. There, I have well, Stone. I, per, would, I have correct. Stone would be spinning in his grave. Where There are no Ed, Edward R. Murrow's. There are no more uh, Woodward and Bernstein, although I'm not even sure Woodward and Bernstein were really Woodward and Bernstein.
4: Yeah, no, I you cannot find. Uh, there is a, you know, an, an ethical code for journalists that's published. I actually have written about it, and it's just a joke uh, because they've literally done everything they can to instead of the, um, you know, finders of the truth and reporters of the truth, they're literally hiding it and suppressing it in order to protect an ideology, a very sickening ideology, one that's very corrupt, um, and they're also protecting all of the corruption. They are basically the fourth branch of government. It's become a fascist uh, relationship, um, and I, I've said it before. It's like the Ministry of Truth. Thank you, George Orwell.
2: It is, and this is the year that everyone um, owes a beer to all of their so-called paranoid friends because their paranoid friends have been right all along. Um,
4: no, I feel very vindicated with ReaganBaby.com. Yes, as was, well. You I, should. I wasn't seeing the truth.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, now, the uh, the voter fraud with you know and the the lack of you know photo ID is one thing, but does any of that matter compared to? These electronic voting machines, where as I mentioned earlier, metaphorically they could just be sort of unplugged. There's no paper trail. Uh, they can be easily let's let's peek inside the inner workings of these electronic voting machines. First of all, I mean, what percentage of um, precincts are using these voting machines? Do we know?
4: Uh, I, I can't I can't um, narrow it down to the number of precincts, but what I can tell you, is that there are about 30% uh, combined counties and states of all um, voting systems that are electronic. Now, California is all electronic, no paper, absolutely no paper trail, if you can believe that. Nevada has electronic and a paper trail with the electronic. but the, And so does Florida in certain um, areas. I, I, don't, I don't know if all of Florida state is uh, electronic, but uh, Georgia, certain parts. So there are these electronic voting systems, and the ones that don't have a paper trail, you cannot then validate, actually, that your vote really went to the candidate that you wanted, that it wasn't switched, Uh, and that happened time and time again. You look at Nevada here. uh, There were outcries that people's votes were switched to Harry Reid from Sharon Engel, and guess who controls and calibrates the voting machines in Nevada, the SEIU, one of the largest contributors to Harry Reid, as well as the Democrat Party. Um, so those who control the vote control <laughs> the election. Uh, but you, we understand that these voting systems can also be hacked. They can be hacked by an outsider simply by downloading uh, some sort of uh, software, and they can remotely as well as uh, tactly, um rig the machines. Uh, so I find it very interesting that all of a sudden the Democrats, uh, because they are so uh, frightened of Trump and his agenda, are now blaming the Russians to get involved in rigging the election. <laughs> can it be done? Possibly, but do I think that Russians going to be behind it? No, I think the Democrats are just floating this trial balloon to create another boogeyman because they're the ones who can rig a close election, but they can't rig a landslide.
2: Right, and the idea that uh, they would uh, raise the specter of Vladimir Putin as this new bogeyman, right, uh, and 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 drag us to the brink of war. There were reports right. that the U.S. military was at DEFCOM one, perhaps even DEFCOM three, over the last several days, as P- Putin was, you know, asking his people to find the nearest fallout shelter. That the that the Obama White House uh, would would drag the world to the brink of nuclear war as Mm -hmm. vengeance for these damning, embarrassing WikiLeaks documents. Correct. This is absolutely unbelievable.
4: Well, it it is, but then when you understand the enemy, you understand their tactics. Um, Look (laughs) – Uh, every single country that Hillary Clinton and Obama have touched have been turned to absolute rubble and jihadi playgrounds. Um, We have a very unstable world right now, and they need a boogeyman, so they choose Putin. I find it was an interesting call because uh, Hillary Clinton had no problem selling them 20% of our uranium reserves in order to increase their nuclear capacity, and her and her husband. Uh, took one hundred and forty three million dollars in exchange to the Clinton Foundation from Russian oligarchs. Um, I don't I find it odd that she all of a sudden thinks Putin is an enemy when her and her husband were uh, financially really responsible of building um, a cyber city uh, right outside of Moscow, who then was accused of using cyber, you know, terror, uh, developed, you know, cyber warfare. So, you know. The Democrats always deflect, and they're the party, the progressive party of projection. Everything that they are, they project on their enemy. And now they're trying to make Donald Trump into a Bill Clinton, and they're trying to make Putin into, uh, uh, you know, uh, George Soros.
2: <laughs> right. And, and, and again, going back to WikiLeaks, the WikiLeaks uh, documents, more the, the more recent ones, have shown that it is John Podesta – uh, Hillary's uh, a campaign chair, who actually has the connections to Putin be- uh, through a, um, I believe he's a um, on the advisory board of, of, of a uh, an organization in Russia that's that's mm-hmm. funded by Putin. So, right.
4: <laughs>
2: uh, again, though, uh, apparently it's illegal to, uh, to 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 even mention that, according to Chris Cuomo at CNN. I couldn't believe uh, I couldn't believe that. Um, Megan Barth is with us. Reaganbaby.com is the website. And we're talking about, among other things, the uh, Election Integrity Project. So uh, we're heading into a break here shortly, but let's let's begin this conversation now. We'll continue it afterwards. What is sort of the call to action from the uh, Election Integrity Project? What do they want people to do?
4: Um, Well, uh, I have to go back to that original article. I have three articles. I have the voting system is rigged part one, two, and three. I'm going to have to go back to one, and I'll get back to them perhaps after the next break, and I can get down to exactly what they want, but uh, so we can continue.
2: We shall. All right. Megan Barth stays with us. This is perhaps the most—not perhaps. I'm going to stop using that word, perhaps. This is the most important U.S. presidential election in that country's history. And what is happening right now, again, your political colors aside— This is absolutely disturbing, depressing, uh, and abhorrent. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us.
0: The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show
2: with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Megan Barth stays with us. Reaganbaby.com is the website. Reagan, as in President Reagan, as in Reaganomics. Reaganbaby.com and... Uh, we're talking about the Election Integrity Project. Uh, before we get to that, let me just ask you the uh, the name of the website, reaganbaby.com, the significance of, of that, uh, Megan.
4: Uh, yeah, well, I, I couldn't vote for Ronald Reagan, uh, but I did grow up in the Carter malaise, and I was a little bit young, but as a young girl, I kind of felt the malaise, so to speak, and um, just... I kind of saw and heard my family struggling after church every Sunday. We'd get around at my Aunt Nan's table, and there were Democrats and Republicans alike sitting there, and they would, it would kind of turn into a crossfire, really. So I was exposed at a young age to debate um, and policy and to politics, and I noticed that when Reagan came on the TV and he came on the scene, people stopped, they listened. Um, even some of our Democrat uh, family members switched and voted for Reagan. The
2: Reagan Democrats, um, so, yeah. Pardon? The, the Reagan, Reagan Democrats. Democrats.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And um, so I've always considered myself. My mom always called me a Reagan baby, and uh, that's how Reaganbaby.com got started. Or founded, really.
2: All right. So
4: the. And, uh, but one more thing I yes. should say, of course, you know, Ronald Reagan is my sage, but Andrew Breitbart really was my inspiration mm-hmm. in um, seeking the truth and reporting the truth, and and you know, just really kind of digging into, um, you know, the facts in order to be a good narrator of those.
2: I agree. And and, and, um, um, Matt Drudge as well,
4: I think. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But Andrew and I worked together on a a few different projects, and, uh, you know, his death really shook me to the core, and I felt like I needed to do something in order to carry on his legacy in my way.
2: Do you think he was murdered?
4: You know, uh, I've been asked that quite a bit, and um, I wouldn't put it past. The left, um, especially because he was supposed to dump a huge block on Obama, um, but also his coroner died uh, just a, a week or two later, and and that's what really shook me um, and and caused me pause hmm. to really, um, I thought back to back, and of all the people, you know, I, when things don't make sense, they don't make sense.
2: Right. Um, right. Well, little does anymore. It, it seems. Yeah. Um, all right. So the, the call to action from the uh, Election Integrity Project, let's, let's discuss that. What can people well, the do?
4: Election, yeah, the Election Integrity Project is specific to California. So if anyone's listening, they can go to electionintegrityproject.com, and they can get involved. You can type in your county. You can uh, find out if there's volunteers in your area, and you can all work together. It's a grassroots campaign. Um, you, know, uh, you can donate uh, your time, money, and efforts, et cetera. But, you know, True the Vote, out of Houston, Texas, is more of a national organization that I follow, uh, started by Katherine Engelbrecht, who was actually targeted uh, by uh, multiple federal agencies uh, when she started True the Vote. Um, she and her husband had worked 25 years uh, private. They had their own business. Uh, she decided to start True the Vote because she was seeing election fraud in Houston. And uh, as soon as she started that business, her and her husband had the ATF in their building. They had OSHA in their building. They were under two different IRS audits. Uh, they had the ATF in their building. Uh, they had so many government agencies uh, up their skirts, uh, for lack of a better word, but, uh, up their business that uh, they were spending hundreds and thousands of dollars of their own money just to defend themselves and host all these audits and protect themselves. So the federal government was coming after them, coincidentally, at the same time uh, that Catherine just decided to start True the Vote. And True the Vote actually has withstood. She testified in in front of Congress, and she has more of a national uh, database and organization than Election Integrity Project.
2: I think it's important for people to understand that this isn't – I mean, it's not a partisan thing. It's not even – it's not even republican versus democrat because this is no longer right. even the republican party i don't it's the trump party it's reagan reinvented the republican party nixon reinvented the republican party eisenhower to a certain extent and and trump is doing the same thing i mean trump is no reagan conservative um so i mean trump is running as much against the republican elite uh this two-headed Hydra, I call it. I mean, it's the, it's basically Trump versus the war party, and the war party is either Republicans and Democrats. Would you agree with that well, assessment? Well,
4: and open border party. I mean, yes. you know, we have to blame our, our open border situation on the Chamber of Commerce and the open border Republicans like Paul Ryan, um, who has not fixed the uh, even legal immigration system through our visa system. Uh, It's all an open-border system. Our visa system isn't protected. It's not validated. People are overstaying their visas. They get lost in the system. Uh, We have uh, terrorists coming over on visas, like out of San Bernardino, the jihadi bride. Literally, the question on the visa was, you know, are you associated with terrorist activities, yes or no? I mean, really? I mean, that's our vetting process.
2: Right, right. Um, Okay, so one of the things that that Trump is asking his voters to do— uh, particularly in Pennsylvania, because they obviously that's a, a, a vitally important uh, state for the Republicans to to win, and Trump is asking for voters to show up, I think, in, in wearing red, uh, as in red state, uh, so that it's clear, you know, that that people are there voting for Trump. Because what's likely to happen is, I think it was Mitt Romney uh, in some precincts in Philadelphia, he didn't receive one single vote. When you think about right. it, that's pretty <laughs> inconceivable back in 2012. But what do you, we'll take a time out. I'll get you to, to weigh in on, on, on uh, what you think of that plan, for people to wear red when they go to cast their ballot. Megan Barth is with us, ReaganBaby.com, the election integrity project right here on The Conspiracy Show. There's more. Don't go away. In a
0: democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at one 740 you are listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio.
2: Megan Barth is the founder and proprietor of ReaganBaby.com and a nationally recognized political commentator. She's appeared on Headline News CNN, Newsmax TV, One America News Network, America Trends with Dr. Gina, The Blaze Radio, and has regularly uh, regular weekly appearances on a variety of nationally syndicated radio shows. The Blaze, that was Glenn Beck's outfit, wasn't it?
4: Yes, I was on, I'm on with Tommy Lahren every once in a while, and I've been on uh, goodness, a bunch of other uh, programs on there.
2: What do you uh, think of, uh, of of Glenn Beck uh, announcing that he that, that the, the he has to vote for Hillary? It's the only moral choice.
4: Uh, I I, I think um, I, I think Glenn's not playing with a full deck. I, I haven't <laughs> thought he's been playing with a full deck since he put Cheetos all over his face, um, and even a little bit before that. Um, so I, I'm having a hard time understanding what his level of morality then is, because if truly he was a constitutionalist, as he's claimed to be all of these years, he would protect it. Um, and by not voting for Hillary because of her radical appointees, nominees to uh, all benches, as well as the Supreme Court.
2: All right. Um, Before the break, I was uh, talking to you about, uh, uh, you know, Trump's plea to the voters, particularly in places like Philadelphia. And and you can tell me a little bit later why everyone seems to be so focused on Philadelphia. Uh, But he's encouraging people that go to the polls to vote for him to wear red so that it's obvious that there are people going to vote for him. And uh, if we see uh, in the results, you know, very low – votes cast for him that we'll know something's up. What do you think of that strategy?
4: I think it's interesting. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about Philadelphia because actually 108 percent of the people voted. <laughs> you know, so that's another area where... 108 <laughs> percent. Yeah, 108 percent. I mean, you just can't make this up. And then, of course, none of it goes to uh, Mitt Romney. And then, of course, we're faced with another election. Well, has anything been done to clean up the voter rolls in Philadelphia? No, absolutely not. Um, It has not. So we can expect just concurrent fraud. There's been generational fraud going on with this voting system, like I've said, for so long, specifically in heavily Democrat-run districts um, because of the amount of um, illegal immigrants on the rolls as well as others. Uh, But Philadelphia is, uh, you know, the the Democrats are becoming unhinged um, because Donald Trump is really doing well in communities of color. We look at um, you know Hispanic uh, tabulations, Latinos. We look at African Americans, and and Trump has been kicking down these doors, walking into these communities, and really he's uh, doing quite well. There They say he's up to forty percent in some Texas communities with the African American vote.
2: Well, we have the 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 um, the, uh, the LA uh, Daily uh, poll, right. which has I mean it's it's. It's been called an outlier poll because it uses a little different methodology, although it was very, very accurate in 2012 uh, and is often dismissed by the other polls. Uh, And at one point, I know that nationally uh, Trump was polling uh, almost 20 percent with African-Americans, but that was not reflected in any other any other poll. Um, what, What are your thoughts on that?
4: Well, I mean, let's, uh, there's two thoughts. One, I, I like the L.A. Times poll, and I was going to go into that, so thank you. And, and I think that you will see a minimum of 20%. I wouldn't be surprised if Trump gets into the high 20s um, with the African-American vote, um, specifically because of jobs and borders and schools. Um, School choice well is huge.
2: School choice is absolutely School huge. School
4: choice is huge. It's absolutely huge. And, and I've said this before, and I learned this from watching the Providence Effect. Uh, which is education breaks the chains of poverty. And so when you have these institutions of education in these inner cities that are literally not graduating um, or graduating at fourth grade reading level, if they're lucky and only 40 percent of them are graduating, I mean, this is just generational theft of of knowledge um, and uh, concurrent poverty generational poverty so if he can really he's he's talking to you know what do you have to lose it's a brilliant question why not some of these communities have been run for 70 80 90 years by democrats so it's time to try some perhaps free market principles and some republican ideas
2: what's happening in chicago i mean chicago is often held up as you know we we talk about sam g and connor throwing ballot boxes into lake michigan and so forth uh is there any evidence that there's some skullduggery happening again in in Chicago which is Hillary Clinton's hometown
4: well there's always skill in Chicago I'm from right outside Chicago you know the mob uh, ran Chicago and and if it wasn't the mob it was the politicians who had direct ties to the mob like Bailey um, so there was always a, a nefarious relationship uh, going on and and politics if Springfield doesn't run Illinois Chicago runs Illinois and so of the aldermen in Chicago and that's been a complete nepotism Uh, task of corruption uh, for as long as I can remember. Um, And that's just how business was done and is done.
2: Is there any any evidence uh, I'm hearing rumblings and again this is totally unsubstantiated but I'm hearing rumblings that somebody discovered, uncovered some ballot boxes already and these these are not advanced polls but ballot boxes already stuffed with Democrat ballots. Have you heard anything about that or is that just pure Pure, uh, unsubstantiated rumor.
4: Um, I have not heard anything about that, but I wouldn't be surprised because I always said that there's ballot boxes waiting in some warehouse to flood, you know, different districts where the Democrats think they can uh, pull ahead with a few more thousand, just like they did in Minnesota. Um, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. Look, like I said, they, they rigged the primary. <laughs> so why wouldn't they rig the national? Like, and they And they rigged the primary without they, – they fired Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Uh, and Donna Brazil was part of it, and they they actually uh, what gave Dom, Donna Brazil a promotion, and three other people were fired at the DNC because of the rigging. But yet, you don't hear about it in the press.
2: We should point out as well, Donna Brazil was uh, a, and I, I, I don't, I've always liked Donna Brazil. You know, I I always thought. Uh, you know that she was you know, reasonably, you know, fair and balanced. Whenever I've seen her, and she was a CNN uh, uh, commentator, she was working with CNN at the time. And uh, again, WikiLeaks um, released this document, which tends to prove that Donna Brazil gave questions to Hillary Clinton in advance uh, of, a, of a town hall debate. I mean, that is that's collusion and 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 journalistic malpractice of the worst degree
4: absolutely and yet she just denies it and she's still in the same role this is all corruption it's all fraud it's it's waved in our face because who's going to hold them accountable the press isn't going to hold themselves accountable Uh, Barack Obama certainly isn't going to hold them accountable, and neither is Hillary Clinton, because they're all working together. It's just one big corrupt cabal.
2: Megan Barth is the founder and proprietor of ReaganBaby.com. Why do you think the press is so brazen about this um, right now? Is it because—I mean, why does Trump—I understand why Trump represents such an existential threat— uh, to, the, to the elites, the political elites, Republican or Democrat, it makes no matter. But why is Trump a, such an existential threat to the mainstream media?
4: Well, because he's a threat to their candidate, Hillary Clinton. Look, we've been calling this uh, CNN, the Clinton News Network, for a very long time for a reason. Now, finally, we have the proof. We've all been vindicated. Um, the press is in bed. You look at the executives. Um, You know, not necessarily the the journalists, if there are any journalists left, uh, but many of the journalists and reporters lean to the right. Uh, The White House Correspondents' Dinner is like their Grammys or their Oscars. And uh, a lot of them are being paid, you know, tens of millions of dollars to anchor. And so they're sending their schools to the Tony Upper East Side, where Chelsea and Hillary and Bill like to hang out. Um, So, they, they, you know, they are in the same elite circles. Uh, You also have uh, journalism schools that are being run by George Soros, and people are calling themselves journalists. Uh, So I think the word journalist is somewhat uh, watered down, as well as reporter. Their bias is inherent, it seems, um, and also cultural. Um, I I think that they're brazen in what they're doing because they're doubling down, just like the Democrats do. Why take any accountability? Then you admit one ounce of guilt, you admit one ounce of guilt, you're 100% guilty. So they're going to double down on the distraction, the deflection, and the denial.
2: Yeah, George Soros. Now, you know, uh, there is kind of an unsavory character. I mean, the the, the allegations are out there about George Soros. They're out there. They're public domain for anyone who cares to read them. But this is a a man who has been accused of corroborating with the Nazis during the Second World War in Hungary, his native Hungary, uh, where he was— at a very young age, uh, again, these are at the allegations uh, that he was aiding and abetting the uh, the local Nazis in identifying and turning over uh, Jewish property to the Nazis.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and, and this is someone that our own prime minister has cozied up to and had selfies taken with George Soros. I mean, uh, again—
4: well, George Soros is a huge financier of— um of campaigns that fund Hillary Clinton he's donated tens of millions of dollars into her campaign as well as through other he has over 184 hundred and I think 84 different 501c3 foundations that operated about a 932 million dollar budget um, you have uh, he is uh, definitely a communist he was behind the, the uh, refugee program that was that came out in WikiLeaks um, there was a whole WikiLeaks leak on George Soros and you know one of it is just it's so thick. You saw how every facet of what the Democrat Party is doing is truly by their puppet maker, George Soros, their puppet master, George Soros. You know, he wants open borders, too. You know, the refugee crisis creates the cloud pivot model whereby you overthrow the system by flooding the system with refugees or those that are in need of the government dole.
2: It, I almost have the sense, Megan, that I'll use the term globalist because that's what we're dealing with here they they almost they almost there's the sense i think that the, their their end game is so close it's within reach that they're all in now on this because mm-hmm. they can smell it they can taste it and and likewise the the, uh, the elites in the mainstream media that's why they're being so brazen because they're just inches away from realizing this globalist agenda what do you think
4: Oh, absolutely, and this is the election. I mean, this truly, and I've said this before, might be a little melodramatic for some, but I believe it's, to be, it's true. It's the, the age-old fight between good and evil. And, and when you look at uh, the platform of Hillary Clinton, uh, and when you just look at open borders, for example, it's a very evil thing to do. When you look at uh, the, uh, what WikiLeaks has uncovered about keeping the people ignorant, that's a very evil thing to do. Uh, when you look at her actions in Benghazi, ignoring 600 requests for help from Christopher Stevens, whereby WikiLeaks proved her own advisor thought she was guilty uh, of negligence in Benghazi, um, that is evil. Uh, uh, you lie not, in front of four flag draped caskets, that's evil. And that's, that's to not to our men coming back from Benghazi.
2: Let's not forget recent revelations that um, Libyan leader Gaddafi was ready to sign off on a, uh, on a surrender and a peace agreement. And um, Hillary Clinton, the allegation is, because of a vendetta she had against Gaddafi, because Gaddafi had supported Obama in the previous election, she said, no, I'll have none of it. We're going to finish the job. And then, of course, we know what happened. A a failed nation. A failed nation and a vacuum and uh, an ISIS launching pad. Uh, Megan, we are out of time. I'm hoping we might be able to, to, to work you in again before the uh, the election. Would you be good for that if we can swing it somehow?
4: Um, sure. You just do the contact, AJ, and we'll, we'll get it set up. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll am sure i make some time and have some time. Absolutely. Thank you, Richard.
2: Megan Barth, ReaganBaby.com. Thank you. Mm. Uh, my thanks to uh, Ian Robertson, as always. Our remote viewer, success, Albert. Congratulations. He nailed it. What's in the box? Well, almost. It was an olive, he said, a garden pepper. Uh, I got to give him a, I have to give him that one I mean, that's too close All right. uh, back next week with a brand new program Who do we have again, Albert, next week? Oh, Ali Seadatan Goliath's Rising Goliath Rising is a new documentary In the meantime, don't be afraid There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed And nothing hidden that won't be made known What you hear in the dark, speak in the light And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops Move over Aphrodite, I'm coming home Good night